0: Alright, Arriba, Arriba, welcome back to another meeting of the Order of the Straight Arrow. To my right, I got the historian. How's it going? Good, how are you doing today? I'm good. Yeah, you're looking great. To my left, running bins. How's it going?
1: Going good, my friends. Feeling fucking frisky on a Thursday. How are you guys?
0: Feeling about the same. It is a bit of a shame we do not have our creative consultant here today with us.
2: And no word from Vanstock.
0: Yeah, we're not sure. That ended like weeks ago and still nothing, hey?
1: Yeah, I I checked the vacant lot on 5th Street. I went down to that spot by the river. I went to Tent City. I don't know where the dude is, but he's, I don't know. Maybe he's found a better podcast in his mind better. Yeah, it's all about bee horror and bong toks. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'd actually uh, subscribe to that. Yeah, it actually sounds not bad. <laughs> okay,
0: time. um, we got a special episode tonight. It is the season finale, season one. Hey, I'm like that's way to go. We made it all this way. We've come a long way from denim's basement.
2: We're still in my basement. Yeah, I know, but it's
0: slightly better now. Anyways. To kick off this meeting, we should get right into the straight arrow oath. I'll ask the historian to take it away.
2: If you're in scout uniform, let's have a three-finger salute. Aye, aye. Anybody in civilian clothing, hands over your heart, and repeat after me. (coughs) A straight arrow tells the truth.
0: A straight arrow loves nature.
2: A straight arrow... Never chooses his lawn over his friends.
1: And a straight arrow is always against Bill HR 57, which would allow the importation of South American propane.
2: Can I
0: get a round table? We Tanya.
2: We Tanya. Arriba.
0: All right. Feeling a little south of the border today, hey?
2: Yep. It's not those a- gringos.
0: Yeah Uh, Chinco de Mayo (laughs) Great We got a good episode This is a heavy hitter I like
2: uh, This is a This wasn't one I remembered very well But Once I watched it I kind of thought It was One of my One of my One of my more favorites From this season Yeah I think
0: It definitely is One of the only ones That I've seen From television Like There's a handful of episodes Throughout the entire series I've seen And this is you remember of them. this one hey. this is the yeah this is one of the ones that i've definitely seen uh like after the simpsons on fox or whatever but uh yeah a uh, good good episode
1: it was great it flowed like an episode we haven't seen in season one as far as i'm concerned <laughs> and in my memory of this episode i do not recall it being in season one and i think it's because it is slightly more advanced than the, some of the some of the episodes that we see in season one that kind of have lulls or annoying points. And this was just a great episode. And I think the perfect one to end season one on, because we see a lot of characters develop in this episode, which we get to know and love in season two, where they really become themselves.
0: Yeah. I definitely noticed like an extra kind of sense of comfort between the characters and their interactions with each other. Like Bobby and Joseph seemed like just really good friends already. Like,
2: I think I like seeing Bobby with Joseph. Just yeah. period. Con Junior's mentioned, but we don't see her, Connie. So But yeah, I do actually just even touching on that, if I'm just gonna get into the episode here, is is like we said, season one, episode thirteen, King of the Ant Hill. It did originally air as the season finale on Quattro de Mayo. Oh, Quattro um, de Mayo. And I think that also kind of cause it was not the uh the finale on airing. What do you mean? Like when it was on TV, Yes. it wasn't the season finale. This was just mm. the last production code, and that's why it's the last one on our DVDs. And they would have changed it around to air next to Cinco de Mayo. Mm. Kind of similar to, I was listening to our other episode about, uh, I think it was Luann's saga, and I was asking myself why would they have changed the dates, and it must have been for Valentine's Day, because that's like a real love heavy one. I feel oh, like that
0: I had no idea they put that much into it for like uh live releases.
2: But yeah, so I guess back to what I was ju- what you were just saying about the comfort. It's written by Johnny Hardwick and Paul Lieberstein. And Hardwick is of course Dale Gribble. And he this is his second writing credit. He wrote Hank's Got the Willies earlier this season. And Paul Lieberstein, known as he's Toby from The Office. He uh, wrote Luann's Saga earlier this season, and the episode was directed by Gary McCarver, who directed Square Peg earlier this season. So these are all, they've all had their hand in before. I just, I feel like we are getting comfort in the writer's room, sort of, and maybe that's why I think this episode starts to flow really well.
1: Yeah, they're really perfecting their craft and really, like, there's no more introductions of characters, like mainstay characters. We're not Except meeting any don't anyone. forget,
2: we are meeting the fire ants.
1: Oh, right. Except those little red deviled bastards. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do make their first appearance
0: this episode. They do a great job. I don't know all their names off the top of my head, but just shouts out to all of them.
2: Um, I mean, even if we're just going to talk about fire ants for a little bit, I don't know how many other fire ants we see, but that is a fire ant queen on the roof of the Dale Gribble... Van. Exterminator van. Absolutely. And it has lots of, it's always, so from this episode on, it's always upside down, dead on his roof. But in this episode and previously in this season, they swapped it from being right side up to upside down. Mm seems they never really knew exactly when they were writing it. And then it was after this season they probably noticed it and were like, okay, it's it, always upside down. It
1: kept it the same way. Yeah, I guess that's a perfect segue for me to introduce, uh, which is commonly referred to as the Bugabago, yeah. which is <laughs> <laughs> Dale's man. He doesn't start calling it that for a little while, I don't think. But um, it's a white second-generation Dodge Caravan. So it would be a 91 to 95, and it's also a CV model, which means cargo van, means it doesn't have a back seat or any, like, carpet or anything there. It's just, like, a... It's just a work van. And maybe in 97, it was, like, a, a proper vehicle for like an exterminator or like a tradesman or something like that but like those caravans do not age well like that is such a free candy van like 92
2: dodge car dodge caravan you said cv model 91 to
1: 95
2: i'm pretty sure that's what uh free drove to van
1: <laughs> no he's saving up for one <laughs> I think he's in a Plymouth Voyager right now, but I—I uh, I, knockoff one. I couldn't be I'm sure. I'm pretty yet.
2: sure he did glue on his mother's old caravan badging. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> I think that is correct. I think what what is that? It gets 400 hectares to a single tank of kerosene.
2: <laughs> you don't want to be mixing and matching your fuels now, Miles.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I do love that van.
2: So yeah, this episode just goes right into it again we got no cold open here
0: yeah no no cold open and it opens with uh con giving hank a hard time about his lawn
2: Uh, yeah but (laughs) first i like that we get we get the setup that it's that the single de mayo block party's coming up bill shows up and and just interrupts hank as he's measuring the ride height of his mower (laughs)
0: See, yeah, I thought he was measuring, like, how tall his grass was, and so... How
2: much the blade is above the grass is what he's measuring, and he needs to let air out of his back tire. Oh, that's great. But yeah, I like it that when in Con's criticizing, he asks if Doggy can make on the lawn. It's like a
0: buzzword for me now. I
2: know, (laughs) I've been saying it since Hank's Unmentionable.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a great term. It's you know it's useful in all situations like work, home, family, social, everywhere.
1: I like how Con just bursts into this episode like the Con that we get to know in the later episodes. Like they, like even his accent seems even more casual and like more like I don't know pronounced. But he just dives right into it. Goes, I can't remember what the quote is, but it's like, I like to see that you that you let your lawn go to hell, Hank. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, that's how he starts the conversation. Oh, it's it's priceless.
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually great. And then we actually, we, I guess this is the first scene where we see that like Dale and Hank's friendship is going to be the story or the plot point in question.
2: Yeah, because Dale immediately defends Hank.
0: Yeah, exactly.
3: Now you listen here, Con. If anyone's bringing down the value of this neighborhood, it's me. My lawn's nothing but ragweed and auto parts. I should be ashamed to live next to Hank Hill. He's got the best lawn in Arlen.
2: <laughs> I like it.
3: Ragweed and auto parts.
2: <laughs> I like it. Then we go to the we go to the kitchen where, where Hank's or Peggy's in and she's in there and she's on the phone with oh my God. somebody trying to organize oh something for the Cinco de mile block party.
0: I cannot. Like contain myself whenever I get surprised by Peggy's pronunciation. This,
2: this is literally the worst this, Peggy's ever been.
0: Yeah, like this episode, like she's in full force. She's
2: insufferable. Bethany,
4: it does not matter if your avocados are hard. Life is hard. You cannot make authentic guacamole out of lima beans and Ritz crackers. All these people, gringos. <laughs>
2: Oh, it's horrible, like...
0: Wake-a-mole.
2: And, yeah, and, and Luann says she's in charge of this single de Mayo block party.
0: Yeah, like, Hank and Peggy have a run on the block for this party. Like, Hank's the block captain.
2: I would have honestly liked to seen a a, a scene at the party at the end. Like, There's even like, if there was, like, a table set up when he got his lawn, I don't know, it just seemed kind of... we're We're jumping ahead there, but... Yeah, of course. But, um... Also, Peggy, just in how stupid she is, she says, do we have the bit about the cheese?
4: Anyway, Hank, would you please tell Boomhauer Swiss cheese is not Mexican. It is American. <laughs> I want him to bring some Monterey.
2: <laughs> okay, I got some cheese facts here, guys.
1: Say <laughs> so, it on me. So,
2: So, in actuality, Swiss cheese... If you were to just to go buy Swiss cheese, you would in fact be buying American cheese. America, it's so Americans call any cheese that they produce that looks like Emmental cheese, which is the Swiss version with the it just has it, holes in it. The holes are called eyes, right. and so any cheese that Americans produce, it's usually a lot softer than the Emmental cheese, and Emmental cheese is just is like the cheese that they're emulating but
0: so it's just a clever cheese saving technique to put holes in their cheese.
2: It's actually got something to do with the fermentation, but sure, just cheese saving. Always joke. Guess it. <laughs> but yeah. So like but even in Switzerland they don't no, they don't call their cheese Swiss cheese. Like they like nobody oh, they just call, it, well, they call it it's emmental. Even here you drink it, it's called emmental. Also Monterey Jack is from Monterey, California. <laughs> <laughs> it is, in fact, also an American cheese.
1: Whether she wants to be or not, Peggy is all text and no match. She
2: is all text and no match. <laughs>
1: she is such an idiot. This is all I have written down here. Monterey Jack is an American cheese.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> She's the worst. But I mean, to quote Hank Hill, nobody makes cheese like the Americans, right? <laughs>
2: I mean, he's probably right, but, um, but she does kind of have one wise thing to end this scene on, and that's about yeah Dale's chemicals most likely being the culprit for his shitty lawn.
0: So yeah, Hank kind of takes notice of his lawn, how it's a little bit off colored, and he goes out and he talks to Dale about it, and he says that oh, I think I want to like skip my lawn treatment this week because I guess he gets it every two weeks for it costs him two bucks. <laughs> But Dale's, uh, he's in tough. He lost another customer.
3: I lost another client. Thinks I use too much chemicals. I say Sarah Lee uses more chemicals than I do. Now, do you guys know what he's talking about
0: there? Sarah Lee is like a bread making company. And I guess the environmental working group released a list of like 500 products that are in like everyday like grocery stores or like restaurants that people sell that are like food and it's got the same uh chemical that is in like runner soles and yoga mats i can't pronounce it i don't want to try but i'm gonna take a stab uh (laughs) azotacarbonamide (laughs) azotacarbonamide azotacarbonamide
2: azotacarbonamonide
0: yeah so that one uh it's basically like the stuff that makes your rubber soles like puffy and, like, squish and go back. So, like, you know when you, like, have, like, a Subway sandwich bun, squish in it, and it puffs back? That's, like, the chemical that makes that happen. So, like, Subway and other, um, like, companies have, like, decided, like, oh, like, McDonald's and Wendy's, they're all, like, oh, we're not going to use it anymore. But Sarah Lee was just, like, fuck it. <laughs> and they just kept using it. <laughs> and so, like, I think it's you, they're, like, bagels, buns. Like, yeah, it's, like, it's, like, the Wonder Bread of, well, I, guess, I guess, you know, bagels and shit.
2: Oh, they don't have one. It's just like the American Wonder Bread.
0: Um, yeah, because I haven't seen it in any Canadian stores. Uh, I'll show you a couple pictures. It's just like regular hot dog bun, hamburger kind. They must have Wonder kind.
2: Bread down there.
0: Oh, um, oh, yeah, no doubt. It's but I Hostess,
2: just, right? Yeah, they got it.
0: But I just refer to it as, because like Wonder Bread's kind of like the, what I think of as like the whitest, most chemically
1: based. It's the most basic bread. Like Sarah Lee knows who they are. Sarah Lee knows their products don't have any integrity to begin with. <laughs> like if, yeah. the, if the general like, consumer population is going to eat their like bleached white products, yeah. they don't care if they're going to know what the chemical is called.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it was Sarah Lee, Pillsbury, and Wonder were the three companies that still were just like fuck. fuck yeah, it. we okay, don't give a I believe shit.
2: It, Wonder Bread, yeah. Wonder Bread, uh, like hamburger buns sometimes don't go bad for like couple days. It's amazing. Yeah.
0: No, it's fucked.
2: <laughs> it's like, you know when you're like, oh, man, I had a barbecue like four days ago, and I'm going to have another burger. Those buns are always toasted. Oh. And you're always just like, you, and then I go back to it, and it's like, no, you, you can still have these buns. And you're like, I know I shouldn't, but I'm going to go for it.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, it's like, you, I don't know if you remember or not, it was probably like 10 years ago now, but we did like a McDonald's run and there was like some left over that we didn't want maybe it was like the next morning I can't remember but I definitely left a junior chicken in Little Ponds garage up in the rafters and we found it like two years later and it was like did not age a day
0: (laughs) they look the exact same they just get rock hard yeah okay moving on Dale lost a customer, and he's in hes in tough for some money. He's
2: going to lose another customer here today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So, we, so yeah. he offers Hank
0: a, a, a quick little deal.
3: <laughs> Come on. I need to make up the income. I'll do it for free. I guess Hank really can't pass up a $2 discount
0: <laughs> for his lawn spraying. And I guess Dale was going to go the uh, extra mile and spray for fire ants this week, which is kind of uh, the special guest star of the episode. It's ominous. Yes, it is, and uh, that's when I believe Dale points us to his beautiful buga. What do you? Bugabago. The bugabago, <laughs> and he uh, he talks about the queen and <laughs>
3: fucking Bill is so dumb. <laughs> like... She can lay a million eggs in a twenty four hour period. Wow, that's
4: more than a human woman does
3: in a lifetime.
1: <laughs> yep, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's like the only line. I remember him speaking this episode. No, like he, he had lots. Does he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, yeah, he talks about the sausage, too. Yeah, it's but that, that's the only one that sticks out. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. He is pretty he fucking injured, stupid. He, was,
2: he spoke before anybody else this episode.
0: Oh, yeah, I guess so. He, he was early on. Good for you, Bill. Asserting yourself. So the boys talk about fire ants for a little bit, and then Dale, of course, has to bring up another one of his goddamn conspiracies. Well, yeah, because
2: they... They can climb all over you and I'll bite. He's worried about dying from them. Yeah, getting, getting, killed by
0: getting them. bit all at once is the line that they say. And, like, that's stuck in my head because I want to bring it up again later. But Hank and Dale, like, they, they have a little argument because Hank says, no, they don't bite you all at once. Like, half are on defense. Like, <laughs> whatever that means. <laughs> but, uh, like, Boomhauer uh, and Bill agree with Hank because Hank knows what he's talking about. And Dale is starting to get frustrated with the guys because they're not believing him. He dedicated his whole life to, life to this. He even read a book on anthropods. <laughs>
3: These fire ants are well-organized, highly trained insects. They'll swarm all over you and sting you all at once without warning on a single command. It's how they killed Elron Ron Hubbard.
1: <laughs> well, first of all, I'd just like to think, or say... <laughs> That it was quite funny that they just like how much they trust Hank's word because he's just vaguely generalizing like a predatory species. Like, well, half of them are on defense. Like, it's not football, yeah. <laughs> like, they are insects. They have one thing on their mind and it's like sugar water. <laughs> like, that's it.
2: That is how L. Ron Hubbard died, though. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. No, it's not.
1: If you're unfamiliar with who Elrond Hoppard is, his name's not Elrond, like the great Elven king of Lord of the Rings, like I thought. Not
0: to be confused.
1: It is uh, was it Lafayette. Lafayette. It's, yeah, Laf- Lafayette. Yeah. Um, and then his middle name is Ron, and his last name is Hubbard. So abbreviated L.R.H. on occasion.
2: L.R.H.
1: Yeah, he started as an author. He actually has the Guinness Book of World Records for most. Uh, publish works. I think it's like over like thirteen hundred. Like it's an insane amount. Works of fiction. <laughs> yeah, dude's off his shit. <laughs> um, Battlefield Earth sucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, basically, what he's best known for is he founded the Church of Scientology. Um, he's worth, or he was worth, I guess he's his net worth. His family is worth like an insane amount of money. He was like six hundred million or more. And I don't have a ton on him. I know he has a great grandson who's uh fairly well known. I didn't recognize the name. His name's Jamie DeWolf. I don't know if you guys know who that is, but he's a film director. He's a writer. He started out as like a slam poet, um, doing those sorts of things. And he's also uh commonly ranked as the top ten uh biggest uh Reasons why Scientology isn't growing, because he's, like, completely against it, like, hates his great-grandfather's work. A lot of works. the
2: family of, like, high-ups in Scientology are just vehemently against yeah,
1: it. Yeah, like, he just, like, he can't stand it. He went to quote it as the world's greatest pyramid scheme. It's That's, disgusting.
2: Yeah, Scientology is yeah. disgusting.
1: So, um, Elrond Hubbard, at the later stages of his life, was in and out of hiding a lot. Like, there was people, like, trying well, to the sue IRS him. 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 Yeah, like he was IRS so Yeah, like, he was hiding out on this ranch in California, so, like, it is kind of foggy how he did end up dying but he had chronic pancreatitis and he had a stroke one week before he died so like, his, he, like he was pretty old and his health was very deteriorating I mean there's a million theories of how he actually died and I guess that's where Han- or sorry Dale gathered his <laughs> fire and <laughs> one from like wherever there's
0: smoke and cloud Dale is just all over it, like, if, it if it can be something else it's something else for Dale He's always on the other side of it. But yeah, Elron was a weird guy. I watched some documentaries on him, and he... Was it uh, Going Clear? I think it might have been.
2: Going Clear was was crazy.
0: Yeah, it definitely gave me a, a look into what Scientology is, and I did not like it. Mm-hmm. It's gross. And basically convincing people through your fucking stories that you're a god, and they're gods, and you stay with me, and you'll be a god. And
2: It's silly.
0: He's Yeah. Anyways, moving on from that... Terrible, terrible.
2: He's not even bad as David Miscavige, because that guy's worse.
0: Give me the uh,
2: cliff notes. He's just—he's now the head of Scientology.
0: Oh, I—I yeah. I didn't know that. He—he
2: he took what L. Ron Hubbard was just like, hey, this is cool. I can make millions of dollars off people being stupid and giving me money for these courses for what essentially was a self-help yeah. book, and then David Miscavige took that and made it even more twisted into what it is. I mean, Elron Ron Hubbard still abused people, but not like David Miscavige does. Anyway.
0: Did he bring in more DC-17s?
2: Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think he may have in- included those.
0: <laughs> All right, anyways. So, of course, the guys don't believe Dale because it's Dale and, you know, Hank. Uh, I don't
1: know, man. Hank's man. He knows <laughs> that dang old Hank's man usually when Dale has these rants where he's trying to prove that he's right, he usually ends with some totally irrelevant name drop, and it's pretty much like the guys just tune out halfway through when he starts to raise his voice and babble, "Go, you don't know what I know, and all that shit, right? Like, like we're the only ones hanging on to Dale's words, I think.
0: Yeah, that actually, that's probably so true, because they've dealt with that all through their lives, like, right from the very beginning, like, right at the order of the straight arrow and beforehand, like...
2: (laughs) I mean, even if I'm being fair here, I kind of think they all ignore each other because <laughs> no one seems to respond to Boomhauer and everybody just says, shut up, Bill. <laughs> it's like, who, like how does this, how do any of these relationships work? I
0: feel like they all just like pay attention to Hank. Like, that's the yeah, only Hank's person. A,
2: Hank's a man.
4: Hank's a, <laughs> Hank's a goddamn man.
2: Let's just hear that one again.
4: I don't know, man. Hank's a man. He knows that dang old Hank's a man.
2: Yeah. That's it. That's uh, how.
4: There you
0: go. So, anyways,
2: enough said, as Stanley would have said.
0: Exactly, enough said. Enough said. Uh, so, anyways, Hank refuses. Dale accuses of him of getting another exterminator. Hank says, "No, you can't even pretend to mow or pretend to spray my lawn."
3: But Dale goes ahead. <laughs> <clears throat> All done, Hank. Just keep the dog in the house for an hour. <laughs> oh fuck. So good.
2: I like it. Then Hank drives to the lawn care store. Oh yeah. And he's just got Ladybird and Bobby just rolling around in the box. I don't even know <laughs> why he brought them. I don't think you don't see them. I think they stay in the box.
1: Yeah, I thought it was funny that Ladybird is securely fastened by her leash to the truck and bobby is like rolling around the box and he even like glances up because hank's like getting like like forgetting about his driving because he's talking to peggy so much and he like takes a corner into the into the nursery um and bobby actually like glances over his shoulder like, what the hell is going on it's like yeah it's like the
0: total irony of like the dog being able to sit still and fine and the human like crawling around, because you know that dogs can't stand up in moving vehicles. That's just, like, a thing. Bobby's the dog.
2: <laughs> he treats them both worse than his lawn. I yeah. think there's a third seat inside the truck. Well, I mean, like, did you not?
0: So yeah. Did you not catch Hank's line earlier in the episode?
4: Damn, I've poured my whole life into this lawn. My heart, my soul, the tender feelings I've held back from my family.
2: He really they really do hammer that.
4: Arm. Oh yeah, they do. They do.
2: They, <laughs> they play. I on think it. like immediately after that is this scene, isn't it? Or? Um no, immediately
0: after that is when uh Oh, that's
2: when they go inside. Sh- that's when Peggy. they go
0: inside and Peggy's ordering the Okay, stop talking about Peggy. Okay.
2: <laughs> but Hank does see the rally St. Augustine grass.
0: Yeah, that's some fucking handsome grass. I I looked it up just a little couple facts. It's found in, you know, mostly Like tropical rainforest climate, Caribbean, Mediterranean. Uh, It's often seen in lagoons, marshes. It's like a really thick lush. Obviously, like Luann and everybody has shown to us how lush and thick it is, but it like overgrows weeds and everything. So it's like so thick that it just overpowers them. So yeah, it's like really high quality. How much is that a square foot? So apparently, at the Arlen Nursery, it's a buck 25 a square foot. And I did a little research into the average size lawn. Apparently, they're 10,000 square feet. I don't think that's true. I think that's a little big. So let's say Hank's lawn is 5,000 square feet. That means that Hank spent
2: on his fucking lawn
0: $6,250.
2: Ah, but I mean, it's worth it for the best lawn in Ireland.
0: (laughs) The second best lawn.
1: (laughs)
2: Oh, I'm looking at a picture of it.
1: It is. I... I was. It,
2: it looks like it's here. I mean, we are a tr- we are a rainforest climate. I don't, is that what it is?
1: I don't think it is here because when I was reading like the same descriptions of it, it instantly brought me back to the grass that was all over Mexico when I was there. Like super, it's yeah. like it, the blades are so thick they're like like the size of French fries.
0: Yeah, it says most of the locations, like specific ones, are uh, like United States, mainly Texas, Mexico, Central and South America. There's some cultivation in California and Hawaii and uh, many Pacific Islands in New Zealand. But, yeah, I don't think we have it up in the Great White North.
2: Well, then we have, a, it looks small and that just picture just sort of looks...
1: Well, keep in mind like St. Augustine is the like broad term of like 200 species mm. upgrass. The one that Hank got is the Rally one in particular, uh, which is just a strain of St. Augustine and it was released in 1980 and it's Tolerant of cold, but susceptible to insects and disease. So I'm sure that's why they featured it out of all the other ones. And uh, I looked up I the see. prices, and it was only I think a five cents dif- five cent difference than what Arlen Nursery was selling it for '97, as of today's prices. So it's gone down. It's that goddamn internet.
2: But I like that when Peggy tries to talk him out of this, he asks her how she'd like to be married to Bill. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah.
4: A man who can't keep up a lawn is either inept or stupid. Without my lawn, I am Bill. Do you want to be married to Bill? No.
0: <laughs> Another touch on I the know, Peggy Bill storyline. Yeah. It It is reoccurring more times than I can say coincidence, and that's all I have to say about that. Yeah.
2: But the lawn is now installed.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Luann gets a nice little roll around in it. Did you have something to say?
1: No, I could just um, add on to what you're saying. I thought it was interesting in this episode because it was such a quality episode. There was no laws in it. Usually when there's these little construction projects, there's always like a minute-long montage of the guys like digging it up, putting the new grass in, but always we see is hang laying in the final piece of yeah. sod on his new lawn. So they definitely cut some, some scenes out, I think. And I kind of
0: really like it when like movies, TV, any sort of film does that where they're like, oh, okay, there's all this talk about what's going to happen. And instead of showing, like, oh, it happens, it goes, like, right to, okay, it's over, and now we have to deal with what happens next.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, this isn't about, um...
0: The lawn. It's not about getting a new it's lawn. It's not about
2: getting a new lawn. Yeah. It's about... Dale and Hank. Dale and Hank, exactly. Yeah,
0: so I, I liked that they skipped it. Yeah, and, I yeah, think, I it was yeah, well it
2: definitely, it it just is, like, this episode has something to say and knows what it needs to say. I actually did watch the deleted scenes, and there's only one.
1: Is no, that's Bill not reading? true.
2: There was, like, one or... T- I think there was one and the others were, like, animatics. So, like, not... Like, cut pretty early. And they were mostly just, like, extended scenes. Um, and none of them included anything to do with the Marty... Or, uh, Cinco de Mayo party, which I looked for. And also, none were involved in the construction of the lawn.
0: Was it just more Hank and the boys? Like, so Hank and Dale? Was, more Dale?
2: I'll get to one of them later. One of them that I thought was pretty good was, uh... I don't even remember exactly what it was, but there's a running joke throughout the episode that like you kind of don't get because they don't... Uh,
0: show enough of the scenes?
2: They don't show enough of the scenes, but like one is Hank says, like it's Uno de Mayo. I'm not going to have that until Cuatro de Mayo. So it's like, t- I don't know, just up until Cinco de Mayo, they were just saying, like oh. m- instead of saying this is the first, he said it's Uno. I don't know. And then there's another one, where I don't know if you guys noticed later on, but when he wakes up the next morning to go out into the grass, oh, yeah, the alarm says it's Quattro de Mayo. So, oh. like, and I was like, and it took me a few times to like notice what the clock was, what the radio was saying because mm-hmm. it says it so fast. I just feel like they just wanted to get the joke in to keep that running joke of like counting the days out like that. Yeah. But I think I it did, just got, I
0: did note, I do remember hearing Quattro de Mayo on the radio, like. Good yeah. morning from whatever it's Cuatro de Mayo.
2: Yeah, it just seemed a little rushed and like.
0: Yeah, it was super yeah. quick, and I didn't laugh. I'm gonna be
1: honest. Yeah, I did, I completely glazed over. I just assumed that he was saying Cinco de Mayo. I didn't, yeah. even, I didn't even think too, like, again about it.
2: Yeah, no, it was the it was the fourth.
0: So, anyways, we get much approval from the family about Hank's lawn. Uh, Luann has a. Luanne I don't want to say I don't want to say uncomfortably long, but a
2: pretty long scene of her rolling in that grass. Oh it's very uncomfortable if you watch the uh commentary cuz it's just like the characters as the or sorry the yeah. actors oh, as they, the characters Yeah, they do that again. And it, yeah, and it, but this one was like Johnny Hardwick, so it was Dale and Bill.
0: Oh, which no. is Steven, were they being <laughs> Stephen
2: Root and and Johnny Hardwick? But they were in character. I wanted. I thought it was going to be good. I thought
0: you're going to mat the blades. <laughs> I, I
2: thought Hardwick was. I thought Hardwick was going to have some interesting things to say about writing it, but instead it was mostly just Bill or Stephen Root just like droning on, and not like Hardwick would be like, "Oh, let's watch the episode," kind of like in Dale's voice, and then Bill would be like oh, man, look at Luann. She's so nice. Oh, my God. And it's God. just, like, Steven Root just, like, pretending to be Bill ogling over, like, Luann, and Hardwick's just, like, you oh, that's Hank's niece. Like, <laughs> and I'm just, like, this isn't funny. Like, come on. And, yeah, that that moment especially, I was sitting there watching it. I was just, like, it was, I was, like, we don't need to watch this anymore. <laughs> it's kind of making me uncomfortable. Like, <laughs>
1: It was kind of an odd means of conveyance of like a distraction for Dale to shake his pan leg, you know, and release the fire ants, right? Like I they like they easily just could have had Bill and Boomhauer just show up or Ladybird or do something like that, right? Because it was it was kind of strange.
0: He even could have used like the opportunity of Khan arguing with Hank about the quality of their lawns as a opportunity to shake his pan leg. But there's uh like that back and forth between Hank and Khan, I love their like their rivalry. It's it it gets it makes me so happy cuz at first it's uh it's about the uh the lawn. And then uh Con's like, "Okay, yours is better." "Yes, He's yes,
3: like, all right, you win. Best lawn. Tomorrow maybe we compare salary." <laughs> Khan Jr., get fertilizer. Men, get my tax return." My tax return. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, it's so funny. So good.
1: I do thoroughly enjoy how they find these things to, like, bicker and fight over because they are, like, completely different. Like, they could not be more different than, like, Hank Hill and Khan Suba Phone.
2: And their but, names are so similar.
1: But it's uh, just, like, dogs and lawn. It's, like, what we've been introduced so, so far that what they're going to, like, quarry over. I think it's hilarious.
0: Were you making a reference to the fact that Khan is, like, an anagram for Hank? Yes. Oh. So Hill is an anagram for Suba Phone.
2: Well, I think in Quebec they call it hella super I'm not sure.
0: I think that's Newfoundland. Oh
2: yeah. Probably. <laughs> um but I uh, actually back to what you were saying about the slip of the secret ants. Uh I think it's all bullshit because when you see his plan in his basement, it's all for like one AM, three AM, four AM.
1: So
0: This is just a tester.
1: I guess. And I've been reading about fire ants. I don't think you just have those things in your pant leg. <laughs> like, I know he does go ow after he does it, but they're ruthless. Are
2: they? I don't, I've never
1: come in contact. Okay, they're called fire ants because their sting is similar to what human flesh feels like when fire is applied to it. Oh, like, really? That's why they're called fire ants, yeah. And they don't, like, they bite you. And then they sting you. They like When they're on you, they bite you so that they're locked in so that they can sting you. They're ruthless. Mm. They can kill small animals. Like, they'll just swarm them. And then, like, they're unlike any other insect. Like they're, And they are an invasive species. They're from South America. And what Hank um, or Peggy suggests that they use.
4: The forward fly injects its egg into the fire ant's head. The egg hatches into a maggot which eats away at the ant's brain until the head falls off. Repeat as necessary.
1: I like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the Ford flies are also from South America. That's why they import them and have that in their little dome thing. Luckily Dale maces himself in the face with like pesticides when they're (laughs) escaping so that they don't spread into Arlen. But yeah, the Ruth they can kill you. Wait, which is the Ford or the Fire Ant? The fire ant. Like if you get stung by a decent amount of At the same time, and, yeah, they can call it a cardiorespiratory failure.
2: So, Um, like, I mean, Ron could have died that way.
1: Potentially. No one was around, apparently. Like, he was just secluded on his little ranch. He
2: usually had a 15-year-old girl with him at all times.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Whether Um, she wanted to be there or not. But these fire ants are, like, incredibly resilient. In 2017... Um, when Hurricane Harvey was just, like, ripping Texas apart and there was, like, tons of floodwaters, you could see these groups of fire ants called rafts just, like, joined together and just, like, floating. Get out. Until the Yeah, no shit. And uh, in each one of those rafts, there was up to 100,000 fire ants in each one. And that was just until the water receded or they floated into, like, a suitable place for them to hop off and make a new... Ending. Oh,
2: my God, I'm seeing a picture <laughs> of it. Yeah, that's insane. The mass that we're
0: describing right now, the like the mass floating through the water, literally looks like the mass of fire ants that's covering Bobby at the end of the episode. Like, that is one and the same. Like, it is just like a, a mishmash of red and black mass.
1: Can you imagine seeing that? Like... Bad enough, you're in the middle of a hurricane and like you're sh- like everything's just getting destroyed, and then you just look down your street that's completely flooded like a river, and there's just an island. Like these masses just look just like nope. like the size of like what like a hood of a truck maybe. Like,
2: oh, some of these are bigger than that. Even, yeah. yeah,
1: even bigger. And you just look over and there's like things can't get anywhere. Oh, look! There's <laughs> floating <laughs> ant colony. There's a million ants.
4: <laughs> You've got ants. <laughs>
0: So, these ants, they're pretty terrible. I just want to go back to the forward fly. Like, everything Peggy was saying is absolutely true. They, like, they swarm over top of the fire ants, like, terrorizing them. And they, like, the male and the female basically, like, mate, like, right over top of the ant. Like, create, like, a little baby. And then, like, they go inject it into the fire ant. And then now that fire ant is going to die In a couple weeks, and its head's gonna pop off, and a baby forward fly is gonna come out of it. Like, and we watched a video of it just before. It's intense. Very intense, like a horror scene out of a movie. Like, I, knowing what these fire ants can do, I no longer feel bad for them. But beforehand, these forward flies, like they overpower these ants, like, like absolute predator to prey. Like, thank God they have a weakness.
1: Oh yeah, that video was pretty damn ruthless. And I think Bobby summed it up perfectly when him and Joseph are eavesdropping, or not eavesdropping, but they're listening to what Peggy and Hank are saying. And Bobby goes, what a way to die. Even if they're little bastard fire ants, like, you get another, like, life form jammed into the back of your head and you just have to live with it for two weeks until it pops off your head. Like, that's gruesome.
0: Yeah, like, imagine the last day, like, an hour before it happens like
1: (laughs) (laughs) what are you feeling
2: (laughs) not only are you killed and then you are carrying it's young (laughs) (laughs) it's like
1: hey gary my back of the head feels kind of funny and i got a headache (laughs) there goes your head
0: my brain hurts (laughs) so bobby gets pretty infatuated with the fire ants he likes the look of the queen as it reminds him of himself Yeah,
2: uh, (laughs) I like the big white one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I love that Bobby. He goes, "Hey, look at that chubby white one. It looks like me, before my growth spurt."
0: (laughs) And then he, and then Joseph follows up with, "Like, oh yeah,
2: this queen's stupid. It looks just like the one on my dad's truck. You mean Dale Gribble's truck? (laughs) Yeah, my dad." (laughs) <laughs> yeah my dad like
0: <laughs> that's what i mean about how comfortable they are like with the entire cast and like what's going on on rainy street that like that was such like a smooth joke that it was so fucking funny
1: like and this is something i did not remember at all like thinking back about this episode before re-watching it recently for this podcast and i was just kind of like what? Like, he, he, he just said that. Like, so, I, like, I rewinded it to make sure I heard Bobby correctly, and this is, like, the only time, <coughs> you know, in the early seasons where they have anyone mention the notion that Dale Gribble is not Joseph's father that isn't, like, Hank, Nancy, or, like... They
2: just kind of allude to it. They though. allude they to They don't it. ever straight out... Allu- and
1: then there's 12-year-old Bobby, like, oh, you mean Dale Gribble's truck? It's like, where did that come from? The uh, it's the innocence of a child,
0: right? Even
2: Joseph sounds like he's heard this before, and he's done hearing it. Like he knows, but he doesn't want to know. He doesn't. I guess maybe he doesn't want. Yeah, admit my dad.
0: Like <laughs> he doesn't
2: want to <laughs> admit that maybe his parents are lying to him or something.
0: Exactly. So I thought that was like just like it caught me a little off guard, and I love that they did it. Um, but I think that scene kind of comes to a close. We have a feeling that Bobby's got an interest in these ants, and. This, then I believe we get, like, probably a commercial break. And then we come back, and Hank's just got a killer opening joke after this one.
4: Celebration of local graffiti artists? I'll give you a headline. Local man cancels newspaper subscription.
0: <laughs> and we're back to the Hill residence. Just...
2: Yeah, but before that, I think overnight, Dale uh, picks up that eco-dome. And uh, releases the Ford flies. And then sprays himself in the face. But he has his glasses off like this whole time. He doesn't have them up. He actually takes them off. This episode, I think that was worth noting.
0: I can't believe that I I didn't even notice.
2: You didn't remember this scene? No. Oh. I remember lifting the glass...
0: But I do not remember him not wearing his glasses. That's so weird. Like he I'm like, usually on top of that. He kind like
2: of thing. kicks it he like kicks it up and lets them out. They yeah. swarm his face. Mm. So then he takes his glasses off and oh. sprays the
0: Yeah, like the insecticide in his face. Yeah,
2: exactly. The raid. Oh, yeah, yeah that, that uh I totally
0: even didn't think about that.
2: And yeah, and then but Bobby and Joseph are playing with the ants, and Hank sees the anthill still there after Dale hasn't, uh, has, well, has, uh, after Dale has sabotaged the ecodome mm. and then Hank just goes at it with the mower.
0: 16 millimeters from the ground.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so then
0: I, is it the next day that all the anthills sprout up?
2: Yeah. This is when I guess Dale comes at him again.
0: Yeah. I guess there's a bit of like kind of a, a quick jump in time. Like we go, this must
2: be overnight. Yeah. All overnight that we don't see where he goes and plants a bunch more and hills mm-hmm. like his plan in the basement alludes to
0: and then so we see Hank come outside it's just a desert covered is is this no oh this no just, it's not a desert this yeah. is just the multiple mounds
2: yeah it's green with lots of mounds and and con asked if he's got a permit for all the construction yeah. <laughs>
0: burn
1: <laughs> that was a great burn by Con I was love a that good one um And then we see a shift that we only see a couple of times in the guise of the Rainy Street. And if you I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Dale is sitting on like a giant like metal gallon drum. I don't know what it is, but it says, you know, highly flammable all over. Yeah, and, and he's smoking on top of it. And Dale is now the Hank of Rainy Street. Dale, he or, knows
2: everything. Yeah. They're all coming to him for help.
1: When Bill goes, he's asking if he can barbecue 20 pounds of Mexican sausage and if he can put some lighter fluid in with his half a tank of propane. Oh,
4: Bill, you don't want to be mixing and matching your petrochemicals. The Propane
3: Association recommends that you It'll be fine, Bill. <laughs> burn, is burn. burn is burn. Burn is
1: burn. I got to remember that. <laughs> I love how that resonates in Bill's head, like, burn is burn. <laughs> you know, he's like, the next day at work, he's just going to be like, yo, burn is burn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Dale Gribble said it. Like, it's just, yeah. and, like, it's, uh, it, I thought it was super funny. And then, you know, Hank has to swallow his pride and pull Dale aside. And really, to see, the episode could have gone one of two ways at this point, right? Like, Dale could have properly disposed of the fire ants and they could have had a great Cinco de Mayo, but Dale being the asshole that he is because he was so enraged that he lost his two dollars a week
3: <laughs> Hank I was just telling the guys about Stonehenge. It seems the druids used it as some kind of sophisticated Celestial. Uh, Dale, I didn't come here. to. Oh, no. For once you will hear me out Calendar <laughs> Now what can I do for you?
2: I just wanted to notice right over his shoulder there. Did you happen to see that in his backyard?
1: I just looked at your show notes, and I remember seeing that and not really thinking anything of it. But He's yeah. got
2: a charcoal barbecue. It
1: definitely looks that way, yeah.
2: I mean, I don't know.
1: Just like, maybe it's just he bought it like as soon as Hank fired him.
2: Yeah. Like, he.
1: like, screw you, buddy. Like, I'm a mess, I'm gonna hit you with your two hardest points. Like
2: burn is burn. It's
1: not the family. It's propane and his lawn. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. how that's how you yeah, that's how you get to Hank. So yeah, that very well did look like a charcoal barbecue. So yeah, Dale sprays this purple cloud over Hank's yeah. lawn and he And
2: not one fifty nine gallon barrel less. <laughs> Which must have been the
0: fifty-five gallon barrel that he was sitting on earlier.
2: Like he was ready to use
0: it, and he was showing it off. He was.
1: I can't. Like I could not for the life of me decipher what he was actually saying. But I know at the end of it, he said six thousand, and I don't think chemicals ever sold with six thousand at the end of it. So like, he was just like, just like glossing over the guys, like deliberately being like he was like putting something on here that's gonna kill every single living thing, including that sweet Rally St. Augustine
2: dale is just being petty at this point
1: and while this is going on bobby is becoming increasingly more obsessed and under the control of that queen fire ant that's living in his bedroom in like a you know like a gumball machine looking type jar
2: oh yeah and like he starts with just him changing the radio from something
1: yeah he had his rock and roll on yeah and I, I loved it. it. This is this is the next morning now. Hank has woken up and his lawn is no more. It is just sandy-looking dirt.
2: Just become yeah. And now it's
1: yeah. That's him whimpering. <laughs> So Peggy and Luann are in the kitchen. Um Peggy of course is using all this broken Spanish to describe simple words like <laughs> sugar.
2: <laughs> Azuke. Yeah. But I love what Luann asks. Do you have that? Aunt Peggy, Buckley wants to bring his thirty-eight to shoot off at the block party, but Uncle Hank said nothing bigger than a twenty-two. <laughs> That is that's probably my favorite line <laughs> in the whole episode.
1: That's that's perfect. And <laughs> while, while Peggy and Luan are having this conversation, we can see in the background Bobby sneaking through the kitchen and just starts eating like 10 spoonfuls of sugar. Azucre. Yes, azucre.
2: <laughs> I don't even know if that's actually, like I don't think it is. I was
1: uh, I was going to look it up, but I was like, no, nah, it's too annoying. Like, <laughs> <"Yeah>, <laughs> it's too annoying. And one of my favorite parts is this episode, which I think was very unique two season one was this possession of Bobby by the ants but also just how he's acting like he he zip or sorry Peggy notices that all her sugar is gone when she goes to put it on those on the churros and you just see Bobby quickly like zip behind like through the living room over her back shoulder she goes what the hell was that and it's this bobby possessed with a mouthful of sugar and he goes and spits it into the ant colony, like a mama bird feeding her babies and it's just so bizarre for like supposedly you know the most realistic animated show that there could be
2: it is weird Uh, i mean i'll let it slide
1: i had like a bit of a
0: theory because i thought it was super weird too like i'm a little bit embarrassed to admit i looked up Queen Fire Ant Hypnotize on Google to see if it was a thing, if, like, they had some sort of pheromone or something. But uh, I couldn't find anything, so I just assumed that it's probably Bobby, like... Just pretending to fit in with the fire ants. He's just playing. Yeah, he's just playing like i I'm pretending to be a worker ant, you know? And, like, he's just doing what he can to uh, satisfy the queen. It sounds
2: like something he would do. Because he's gotten,
0: yeah, I mean, at least that's that's what I'm kind of chalking it up to. Because I don't think it's a legit possession. Just going with the realism of the show.
2: Yeah. That was the theory I came I up with. I might have, yeah, if, I think it's great. I, I, th- I think this episode is written very well, to be honest. But I may have changed it to seem like more of Bobby was just into it more than he was compelled to, because there's nothing that he does that is so like. I don't know. I feel like if a kid's like, oh yeah, I know things like sugar, and sugar's delicious, so I'll just fill my mouth with sugar and spit it into the ant hill. Like, I'll just do that for the ants, and it's like, oh, what else do the ants want? The ants want to be put back in the ant hill. So that's basically all he does, mm-hmm. and he changes the music from something heavy to soft. Which he might just think because she's a queen, she wants something softer.
0: Exactly, and and we all know Bobby is not unfamiliar with the softer tunes. If we think back to past episodes.
2: <laughs> so yeah, Hank's out in that lawn chair, and it's just depressing. He's like, he's basically just giving up. What's he say he's gonna get? Mulch, bark mulch, wood oh, yeah. chips, and, gravel. Yeah, and gravel. gravel. You don't mean that. <laughs> oh, it's funny. She's worried she might have to get married to Bill.
0: <laughs> so, anyways, they find out that they're out of sugar, which leads Nancy to say, Oh,
2: there's some in the basement. Well, they go over to now they're over at, at the, Gribbles. the Gribbles. Oh, yeah. I yes. think she goes there to do more cooking.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. they.
2: Or maybe she goes, like, because they're out of sugar. I don't know, but they're out of sugar, too, there. and they talk. So that means that Bobby's just in Joseph's house fucking stealing their sugar, also. I feel like that's pretty... That's a stretch?
0: Uh, no, I think it's fine. Like, I don't know. Like, they live in a pretty friendly neighborhood. I think, like, the kids can come and go, like, from each other's houses. Like, they're friends, all
2: right? Remember when that kid came and went into our house? When? And mom found him downstairs playing Legos?
0: What? You don't remember that? How old was were you? How old was I? Well,
2: I must have been like 11. 11 or 12. 10, 11, 12. Were you and I home? No. Nobody was home. He just walked into the house and started playing Legos. <laughs> and mom thought fuck? it was weird. She was so scared. She kicked him out and was like, shut sure. Wait until my children are home. Yeah, like, I don't want to hang out with you. Like, yeah. does your mom know you do this? That's funny.
1: And that is weird. And my theory of why that Nancy is out of sugar is because Dale, we find out in the next scene, as Peggy walks down the stairs into Dale's basement, and she doesn't actually find any sugar down there. And there's no sugar upstairs, but she does find Dale's ant like farm that he's got going and on. And
2: the diorama of all the plan. But and they get a very silence of the lamb scene.
1: Yeah. Did you guys notice what was on Dale's shelf?
2: Oh, the bags of like fertilizer?
1: It was bags of arsenic, Arsenic. beside bags of Mrs. Dash.
2: (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah,
1: that was Dale's Dale's shelving. uh, I
3: didn't
2: notice that.
0: (laughs) This is Peggy finding the uh, miniature lawn, and finally... Hey, Peggy.
4: How could you do it? How could you plant fire ants on our lawn?
3: Uh, I'm denying that. That's my position.
2: I love that. But yeah. So Peggy has found out so she runs over immediately to tell Hank about this. Oh. At the same time that Bobby has now released the queen ant it back into a anthill.
1: It's all coming to a boil.
2: It is all coming to a boil here.
1: I really liked how Bobby is like basically pretending to listen to the bowl of ants and before he releases them he goes, "No." I cannot allow you to leave the safety of the bowl. And then there's like a brief pause, <laughs> and he's like, Sorry, my queen, I spoke out of line.
2: <laughs>
1: and the next scene, he's dumping his ants into the already existing one of the anthills in the alley. So good. Bobby is the best
2: character. Um, but so, right, so then we get Hank goes from his muddy desert lawn singing lawn chair when he sees Dale after he finds out about his plan and then rushes after him. Now, in the animatics for this and the deleted scenes, there's actually an extended scene where Hank hops out of the chair, gets his feet stuck into the mud, and then runs and his shoes come off, and then he gets stuck in the mud again and then he runs and his socks come off. And then he keeps running, and Con sees him and says, stupid hillbillies wear no shoes again. (laughs) And then if you notice during the fight, only very briefly, when Dale crawls under the van, you can see Hank's feet, and they're bare with mud going up his jeans. Like, he had... So they kept that in. So he just goes from, like, sitting in the muck to having no shoes. Barefoot and and dirty. Dirty, uh, yeah. So I didn't notice it until I saw that, but... I just thought it was a little fun,
3: I guess. You should not have fired me. You know what I'm like. I'm capable of any crazy thing. But my lawn, Dale, you don't mess with a man's lawn. I had no choice. I tried planting the ants in your driveway, but they didn't take. They couldn't bite through cement. They're weak, like me.
0: It's a good fight scene. One of the better ones I've seen.
2: Yeah, it, it was. It's good. And then we get Bobby coming up looking like a raft head. Fire! Oh my God! Yeah, like a Hurricane Harvey
1: victim. He's releasing the ants, and he starts like doing like some speech about like I'll never forget you. Like please tell your people about me. And the ants are like filing into the ant's nest, and they all just like turn around and just swarm on him. I don't know if they were insulted by Bobby. (gasps) I got the
2: impression that the that the it was retaliation from the ones living there.
1: Oh, like they went and told the other ones what that they no, were in like captivity. No, like the new
2: queen was in town, and they were like, "Fuck this new queen and her giant ant." Mm. And then they swarmed the giant ant, who was Bobby. Oh, I see. That was my impression.
1: Yeah, could be. And
2: because I don't think there can be more than qu- one queen, can there?
1: No. I think there actually can be.
2: There actually can't.
1: Be. I, I didn't write it down, but I think reading something that they can't, the fire ants are the only ones oh. that can converge. But I also don't know that for sure, so you could be right. I'm not gonna get into that.
2: That was just my first instinct.
1: Yeah. So anyway, the fight like Hank is about to murder Dale here, and Bobby speaks up, and they look over, and that's the one scene I remember from that episode that always stuck in my head, just like watching it, like as it aired, being like, oh no, like. That sucks. Like, that's, that like, sucks. the worst thing. Like, nobody likes bugs. Nobody wants to be covering bugs, let alone, like, 10,000 stinging fire ants that could potentially kill you. So, Dale puts his cape on. You know, he, he redeems himself. He gra- puts his hand out to Bobby. Bobby grabs his hand. And Dale... They've been
2: waiting to get a piece yeah. of meat for <laughs> 15 years.
1: He was so right. They instantly just scuttle up Dale's arm. And he just, all of a sudden, just kind of, like, goes rigid and says, Ow. And he falls over, and the ants all sting him at once. And
0: then
2: run away, just purge.
0: And something I noticed was just, like, I don't, not exactly sure what it means, but it's just something that I noticed. You know how earlier when it was, like, the struggle of power on Rainy Street from Dale and Hank, where, like, Hank used to be the guy who knew it all, and they all trusted Hank, and then Dale became the guy? Um, Well, you remember how Hank was arguing with Dale, saying, no, they don't all sting at once, like, some play defense? We talked about it earlier. Well, Hank, when he sees Bobby with all the ants on him...
4: Bobby, don't move a muscle. Listen to him, Bobby. If you move, they're all going to sting at once. Mm.
0: He, he listens to Dale. So I don't know if that's, like, Hank, like, stepping down and, like, being like, you know, I, I do, like, like respect you. I don't know I don't know if that's what it is. If well, it's I he's think just not butting heads with Dale and I, agreeing, or I don't know.
2: When I was finished watching this episode... I said that it was probably one of my favorites from season one. I guess we're not really at the closing uh, ideas yet, but I am just going to keep going with this.
0: Yeah, we're almost there. We just got to hear Peggy say Margarita.
2: Okay, yeah, (laughs) so we're done. But anyway. Yeah, sorry. She says that. Episode is over. But when I finished this episode originally, I was like, this is probably one of my more favorite episodes for some things like that. Like, there's a lot of stuff that happens early that is called back to later. And like, you get a lot of closure on a lot of, even just like things said, I feel like there's like, this episode does a really good job of setting itself up and tying itself up in a very satisfying manner. And I just really like the way that this episode is written. I really think that, it might not have the best, my favorite jokes. It might not have the best ideas or the best, like, even the best plot outline. I just think that it's a very satisfying episode. Yeah, the ideas, the it's written. Yeah. The
0: ideas that, like, flow through this, like, script are all very focused. And, like, yeah, the ideas exactly. definitely are directly... Everything
2: like, is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Everything is earned. Everything's earned. Like, nice. they earn everything that they put into the script, they they take out later. Like, I mean, they, they, they give you closure on it, I think. Mm-hmm. So.
3: While I was blacked out, was anything inserted into me? <gasps> You're alive? Answer the question.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I believe we finally get to go to your Cinco de Mayo party now. No. Not
2: even a little bit? There's not, it's not a party though. The block party doesn't even start? I mean, the neighbors show up to his front door. Yeah, we get to see a piñata, I think,
0: explode. The
2: whole party. Oh, maybe I missed it. We
0: definitely get to see a piñata. Oh, yeah, he keeps on rewinding it and pressing play.
1: There's a brief, like, two-second span of Rainy Street, and, yeah, the whole place <laughs> oh, is off. Okay. Oh, yeah,
0: they, they get to go. And then, like, you know how we were just talking about you get closure on everything? You know how the ongoing joke of Peggy this episode was the terrible Spanish. Like, it really pushed it this episode. Hank confronts it and gives it a little bit of closure.
4: Oh yeah! Come join the block party. Have at least one margarita before Bill finishes them all. It's not margarita, okay? It's margarita.
2: I can just hear Nathan say that to me.
1: It's margarita. <laughs> I was thinking that as I watched it, like yeah. when he gets annoyed yeah. and he feels the need to correct you on every little thing. Every little <laughs> thing. That's him to a T. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's too funny. Like a Peggy, of course. This is like the first episode in season one, or the only episode in season one where I was like, her annoyances were like somewhat tolerable, and she has to go to Maca. <laughs> just like I'm so glad Hank called her on it like this. Like we were all thinking like yeah, just she was shut
2: up. she was so and insufferable she's, this episode. She's
1: dressed like a bull dancer too. Oh, or something.
2: dude. But, I thought they burnt that one in the last episode.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was deleted.
0: Uh, so, we get a nice, happy Rudy ending, where the whole team stands up to coach, and they all hand in their jerseys, and Rudy gets to play.
2: Haven't seen that movie.
0: Oh, it's terrible. Don't watch it. I hate that movie. I was, yeah, so everybody gives Hank a nice piece of their lawn, so he can have a little mismatched lawn that he can mow, and it's really nice. Mow what he does. Mow what he does.
2: I guess it'll grow back before season
0: two. I believe. But so. That's it
2: for season one. That was yeah. fun.
1: Yeah. Um, we got one more brief non-speaking appearance of John Redcorn before season two, where he gets his voice back, and we get to get yeah. to hang out with him. Can't some wait more. for that. Looking forward to it. So I guess we could sum up this episode now. And the one thing I would like to touch on is that, like, as far as I know, this is the f- first. The only episode in season one that Johnny Hardwick wrote.
2: No, nope. is that Second. correct? Second one. If you listened to my original intro,
1: <laughs> he wrote uh,
2: "Hank's Got the Willies."
1: Right. Okay, but this one, um, if like I remember watching the the documentary in the king like the first season dvds like the making king of the hill and johnny hardwick i think he says like originally that he was applying for a role of someone else and then he read on the the character of dale and was like yeah like this guy suits me like i wanted i want to voice this guy so i think that's why this was such a good episode not like i mean for the show itself but especially for dale because i think he really drove the character of dale right to become who he was like it wasn't just him reading on wrote on paper it was like his antics and his like his voice and his conspiracy theories and he's even quotes and saying that i was into that stuff too at the time that's why he latched on to the character dale
2: well if you do recall so they did the first six episodes before they were picked up so they had a pretty good idea after those first six and then the, then the writer's room got back together mm. and that's when he wrote when he got together with paul lieberstein and wrote this episode. Right. So this was their like s- s- part 2 of season 1. Okay. This was their project. So yeah, like you can see how he's just like, "Oh, in s- the first 6 episodes, I see I want now I know what I want to do with this character." Mm-hmm. I think this is what he's pulled up. Also they they really leaned into that. Like I know you watched that Bare Naked Ladies music video, and I feel like there's a couple scenes in that music video that are seem to all be about uh, his paranoia. paranoia and
0: That's a good song
2: can we end on it?
0: Uh, no no. <laughs> not again <laughs> uh, but since we're talking about Johnny Hardwick uh, and Dale um, I just want to talk about like the climax of this episode being the fight of Hank and Dale. Uh, I've always found with like movies, TVs just any sort of film, uh, when I'm watching like the, the plot progression and like every time that I know it's coming to the climax, I always kind of get a little like nervous for the writer because I'm always like, oh, how are they gonna handle it? Because I know it's the most difficult part of like writing is like how do you do like kind of a believable climax that's interesting and also like entertaining and blah, blah blah. because they could have made this fight scene just like a, a stupid, Fight, but I like that they made Dale like have those lines about, like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll do anything, like, it's I'm weak, like, how he just totally breaks down and like admits that like it's him and he's the problem. And like, I just really like how they they handled that. And Hank was a very believable angry. I just I think that was a really good, uh, it was a really good episode, in my opinion, like, just everything.
2: It's a strong, strong one to end this the this season with. I know it's different than watching it live, but I don't know. I guess DVDs are just. I like watching them in production order because it seems like more of like a state as to where their heads at at the time, not just what they feel like airing or what's yeah. fixed. I guess like
0: the the way that we're watching it and not. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, I don't know. I just to me in my mind, it seems like they're working through it the same way we are right now.
0: What a nice thought. Does anybody else have any closing ideas before we end off season one?
2: I mean, I don't know. I just wanna say Yeah, season one was fun. I guess we'll do an we'll do a outro episode for season one, maybe a separate lead in Episode of season two, we'll figure it. We'll talk about it Off
1: We'll sum it up, but, yeah, it's been a ton of fun. I didn't know what this was going to turn into when we started talking about it, but it shaped up really nicely. If anyone is listening, thanks for listening. <laughs> and yeah,
2: Nathan, thanks for listening, bud. Yeah,
1: uh, this Chief Runs with Bins, I'm going to sign off, and I'll see you all in season two. Yeah. Yeah, this is Lays with Beeves and see you later. Let's get that Barenaked Lady song queued up. We're not getting it queued up. Stop trying to make the bare naked ladies relevant again, Denim.
2: So good.
0: Order of the Straight Arrow
2: Join the conversation on Twitter at utsakothpod, Or follow us on Instagram
1: at utsakothpod, Or look for us on Facebook At Order of the Straight Arrow A King of the Hill podcast
2: Catch new episodes every Sunday night Please share this podcast with your friends
0: And feel free to contact us by email At ootsacothpod at gmail.com Please, no hate mail
3: Yeehaw! Hey, what you crying for, boy? It's a good show This is a damn good show
0: The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, or Fox Studios. The external audio used in this podcast is not owned by the Order of the Straight Arrow or its affiliates and is presented in good faith to its copyright owners. Please don't sue us.